you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by Zaxby's DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Coming off of a great Monday night football, we had a doubleheader. Two games to watch? Pretty good. Well, two for one. Two for one special. I'm not going to lie. I did watch a good bit of the uh, the Padres-Dodgers game. Um, I, uh, I did sneak that in. Also got a little bit of a nap at the beginning of the Giants uh, game. I was tired, man. You get up early that Monday, you get back, you're watching tape. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I took a little you were, nap. You were, yeah, you were up early uh, grinding on the All-22, preparing for Aftermath, which is always a great show. Like, so much knowledge you guys are passing on for everyone to consume. Like, it's terrific. You read Steve, Mike Silver. Pretty good show, man. No, I appreciate you, buddy. It was uh, it was good though. It was great to have a doubleheader, um, and we have a big guest coming up today. Uh, by the way, so you're gonna stick, stay tuned for that. We've got Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State, who's going to join the show. Um, somebody who has a unique uh, opportunity ahead. He's got a one game season. Um, again, I keep going back to Rocky Four. Like this is Apollo Creed versus uh, Ivan Drago. This is supposed to be an exhibition. Uh, just just one night only, um, and you get a chance to go out there and show what he can do. And then he has a big decision to make about whether to uh, to come back to school or to enter the twenty twenty one NFL draft. So we're going to get a chance to visit with him. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic player. There are a lot of people that are fascinated uh, by his game and his potential at the next level, particularly within scouting circles. So I can't wait to talk to him. He has a lot. He's a lot to offer as a quarterback. 
Yeah, I think people are going to be intrigued to hear, you know, the recruiting story with him. We always ask those questions. How does somebody arrive at a place like North Dakota State when he's potentially a top 10 pick? Um, and he you know, grew up and played in Big Ten country there in Minnesota. It wasn't that those schools didn't offer him. Well, I'll, just, I'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll, get, we'll let him tell the story, the rest of the story there. Uh, but let's start, Buck, with uh, what we saw last night in that first game, the Giants going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just your overall takeaway from that one. Overall takeaway, look, I thought it was a pretty clean game. Um, wasn't really sloppy. I think I was very impressed with the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. The Pittsburgh yep. Steelers made a concerted effort to really bottle up Saquon Barkley. And you could see them not only bringing pressure, but all eyes were on Saquon Barkley in the backfield. They were committed to making sure that he didn't hurt them as a runner. And so they were willing to put the game on Daniel Jones' shoulders and see if he could beat them uh, by making throws. And so um, I think when we think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you know, having worked in Baltimore, there's a standard of play in that division that you have to meet from a physical standpoint if you're going to win that division. I think they were ready to go from a physicality and toughness standpoint. And I can't wait to see what some of these battles down the road are going to look like when you begin to think about Pittsburgh playing Baltimore, even playing Cleveland and Cincinnati. But the Steelers are certainly ripe and ready to take on the physical challenge that the Baltimore Ravens will present. Yeah, we've both said it about them being legitimate Super Bowl contenders with Ben Roethlisberger healthy because we knew that defense was going to be good um, and chance to be the best defense in the National Football League because they've got difference makers really at all three levels. Um, you saw that you saw that in that game, and you mentioned trying to take away Saquon Barkley. That's what the great defenses do. They make you left-handed. They're going to find out what your bread and butter is. They're going to take that away, and off we go. Um, what did you think about Jason Garrett as the play caller in this one for the Giants? I thought... You could almost make the case, gosh, with with their inability to get any push at the line of scrimmage. Daniel Jones threw it 41 times. I almost thought in that game you almost just let him throw it even more because you were not moving anybody in the run game. No, they couldn't move anybody off the ball. And you're talking about a top five defense, maybe uh, arguably the best defense in football. They couldn't move them. And I thought Jason Garrett, for all of the flaws and criticisms that he has taken in terms of being an old throwback coach from a, a creative standpoint, I thought he was fairly creative. He used empty formations. He tried to use some motion. He tried to get them off. Uh, we saw Daniel Jones get the ball out of his hands. They have some creative things, but I'm going to be honest with you. When I look at this Giants team offensively, they have Saquon Barkley, but there's no one else in their lineup that scares you. I know people have talked about Darius Slayton, but in a normal instance, Darius Slayton is a, a number three, maybe a number four. He's not a guy that you're counting on to be the main driver of that offense when it comes to the passing game. And so for them to move the ball the way that they were able to move it was impressive. And the thing that really killed them was the red zone turnover by Daniel Jones. They had a 18, 19 play drive. They go all the way down the field. They're in the red zone, close, tight red zone. And Daniel Jones makes a play. Bud Dupree comes off the edge and kind of tips it. He hangs it up. It's intercepted. And that kind of crushed their momentum because the Giants, we can say a lot of things about Joe Jets. I felt like they played hard. Um, I felt like they didn't have any major hiccups when it came to mental miscues and, and, and issues. They just have to score, and their margin for error is a little thinner than other teams because they just don't have the talent to overwhelm you. Yeah, here, here's the problem to me with the Giants is that you've you're, every team's searching for that identity. 
And with Dave Gettleman, they've announced what their identity is going to be. They take a running back in the top five of the draft. Um, they just took an offensive lineman. They'd spent big money. Obviously, Nate Solder you know, unable, you know, opted out, so he's mm-hmm. not out there. But they've invested all their money, and then you go out and then you trade for Leonard Williams. You pay him a bunch of money. Um, you go out and draft big Dexter Lawrence. Like they have tried to form this big hog molly physicality um, type of identity, and you go up against a team that has historically been one of the more physical teams in the NFL, and you have got a long way to go before that identity is going to be able to match up with the teams that truly have embodied that identity for a long period of time. Yeah, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. And the New York Giants have to be about it. If they want to live that life, they want to be the physical team, they want to play like the bullies on the block, uh, everything has to be about making sure that the guys that you get kind of fit that mold. And it's not just, a we're investing in offensive line and we're investing in running back. We're investing in tough, physical dudes that when we turn on the tape, that's what we see. We see the mauler brawlers because, as you can attest, uh, your time in Baltimore and other places, like when you talk about the way that we play in Baltimore, those guys have to already play like that. You don't get yep. to Baltimore and then you hit the button and say, hey, you're going to play like that. No, that is already in your DNA. When I was with the Carolina Panthers under John Fox, like that's how we believe. We want a physical, tough dudes. That toughness and physicality, that shows up in their college tape. That's not something that you drop them in to the yep. organization and they have it. And so when I think about the Giants, look, Joe Judge has talked about being a physical team. He's trying to give them a, a hard edge. They have to make sure that the players that they take fit the style that they want to play. And it's not going to change just because you bring them to Metropolitan New York. Yep, that's a good, great point. David Shaw talked about that on a recent episode. You know, how do you go out and get tough? How do you build a tough physical team? You go find tough physical kids. Uh, that's, that's it. You know, like you're going to magically change these guys. I think about Buffalo Bills, you know, with, with McDermott and Bean and, and going in there and really changing over the whole roster. It wasn't like they came in there and said, okay, we're going to change all these guys. Remember the grief they were getting? Man, they're trading anybody with any type mm-hmm. of ability. They had to go find the tough physical kids that have the identity they wanted to have. That's why they changed over the whole roster, and that's why they're in good shape right now. That is why they're in good shape, and it's great that you brought up the Buffalo Bills because whenever I write notes about the Buffalo Bills, I believe, uh, of all things, they fit the vision of the general manager and the head coach. They want tough, hardworking dudes. Well, when you look at the guys that they have, they're all tough, hardworking, or whatever. We can talk about how talented they are. The one thing that is the common thread in their DNA, they all get after it. They all are blue-collar dudes, and they don't mind the work. And so if you want a worker bee-type team, you got to get a bunch of worker bees. Yep, man. We had Brandon Bean on a recent episode. You can hear that whole discussion with him about his background, uh, how he grew up, and you kind of see how he uh, had this tough mindset as an individual. And you obviously know Coach McDermott has the same mindset as well. So they really had a vision for that team, and they've they've built it in their own image. That's the challenge for the Giants going forward. If you're going to try and establish that, man, it's difficult, especially when you're going to be playing against teams that have been playing that brand of football for you know 50 years like the Pittsburgh Steelers have been. Uh, let's get to the other game. I, I want to start at the end because as I was watching the end of that Broncos game, uh, and I'm watching the Tennessee Titans march down the field. Buck, I'm just sitting there going, why are you not using your timeouts? Like, that made absolutely no sense to me. You're in, you're in Denver where you've got a kicker with a huge leg who just paid a bunch of money who's got tremendous range. If you can, if you can get the ball back, if Tennessee kicks that field goal, you get the ball back with a minute, minute left, you've got plenty of time with Drew Locke to go down, hit a couple balls, and all, boom, you're in field position. And for some reason, Vic Fangio just let the time just disappear. It made no sense to me. No, it made no sense. But let's go back even before the drive when Tennessee had it. 
here's where I believe the game was lost. Uh, when the Denver Broncos got the ball back, I want to say it was like 451, they got the ball. Um, they had the ball right around the 50-yard line. First play to run an RPO to hit Jerry Judy right in the chest, he drops it. They come back with a run. Then on third down, they have to go a pass. Um, that sequence of plays, that is an opportunity for them to, at a minimum, run about two, two and a half minutes off yeah. if they're going to play this game. But because you elected to throw on first down, and look, it's unfortunate Jerry Judy has to make that catch, but now the clock stops. You run the ball, but then on third down, you throw an incomplete. You only burn 51 seconds of the time, and then you punt back to them. And so I believe Fangio and his staff, they mismanaged the time from that stage of the game. Because if you're trying to do this, if you're trying to play um, traditional ball where you're going to run the clock out, you have to make sure that, hey, if we do throw it, it has to be caught. And we have to make sure that we don't give them enough time where we're putting ourselves in harm's way. And, yes, that final drive, he absolutely should have used some of his timeouts because – I mean, if you go let them get to the ten yard line to kick a field goal with thirteen seconds left, like I know the guys miss. I know the guys miss field goals and it's had a terrible day. But come on, man, you're inside yeah, the you, twenty. You have you have no shot. And DJ, it goes back to the saying, and you hear this a lot in coaching circles: more games are lost than yeah. won. And the mismanagement of games on your end typically affects you more than what the other team does. And so. I believe that the Denver Broncos are going to be sick to their stomach when they look at the tape and, and, and they realize they're 0-1 because they frittered away a game that they really were in control of and one that they should have walked away with a W. Let's go big picture real quick on that division. When you look at the AFC West, we've seen them all play now. The Raiders go on the road. They beat the Panthers. The Chargers eke one out on the road against the Bengals. It feels like a million years ago when we saw the Kansas City Chiefs uh, just get after the Houston Texans on that opener on Thursday night, and then you have this game here with the Broncos. What's uh, what's your takeaway from this division top to bottom? Uh, top to bottom, I think it comes down to the Chargers and the Chiefs. Um, I think they're, in my mind, by far the two best teams in the division. Uh, the Chiefs have everything that you want. Like They're a fast team, but, man, Clyde Edwards-Alar gives them the counterpunch that, man, just – absolutely creates nightmares for defensive coordinators because if you take away all the options in the passing game, Andy Reid has shown that he'll hand it to the running back 25 times. They haven't even tapped into his skills as a wide receiver. And so they are a problem. The team that I think can match up is obviously the Chargers. I'm a little disappointed that they let Cincinnati hang around. But from a talent standpoint, they have enough talent on defense to slow them down. The the thing will be offensively, can they generate enough points? Can you slug with them you to know? stay in the game? And that is what I don't know. I mean, I like some of the movement stuff that they were trying to do, but they have to figure out a way to generate more chunk plays while using the running game as kind of like the cheese to set the trap so they can throw it over the head. Because I think the strength of their team are the guys on the outside. They have to be able to get it to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and those guys, let them work. But they need to set the trap by getting Austin Eckler involved. And also, Josh Kelly did a good job running. They have, to, they have to find a way to kind of get that delicate balance to create those opportunities. I think the challenge is, and I go back to that analogy, the MMA analogy we've been using lately, which is, man, the Chiefs can play every style, every style of fight. If you want to get in a slugfest and, and it's going to be a high-scoring game, they got more firepower than you do. But yeah. it, it, it can get physical. They can run the ball at the line of scrimmage. They've got some dudes that can rush the passer. Um, I just think they have more ways to win. I think the Chargers have a way to win. They have a way they can beat the Chiefs to play them this week. But it's going to have to be on defense of being able to slow that offense down from the Chiefs, getting some turnovers, grind clock, um, shorten the game, and, and you're going to try and beat the Chiefs, you know, 
24 to 23, 24 to 21. If the game gets up in the in the 30s, I just don't know if the Chargers have enough firepower to hang. And then I, I look around the division. I look at the Raiders. I think the Raiders potentially could 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 compete with with some of the you know if it's a high scoring game, they've got the weapons now on offense um, to be able to try and score some points. I just don't think they have the dudes on defense going to be able to slow down the Chiefs at all. So. That's the challenge in this division. And the Broncos, you know, I think you're probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think their offense stacks up at the top. I don't think their defense stacks up with, with the Chargers. Um, they're kind of somewhere there in the middle. But it's still to me, and I'll see it this week with the Chargers-Chiefs, it still feels like the Chiefs and kind of everyone else to me. Yeah, I, th- I still think it's the Chiefs and everybody else. I know you get a chance to see this game. I, I am curious because if I'm, the, if I'm the Chargers, if I'm thinking about the way to win this game, I think you have to take a very similar approach to the way the Houston Texans did. A, you're going to have to run it. We're just going to yeah. make you run it. We'll die. Play too high. Or we'll yeah. play too man and just play too over the top and then just dare yeah, you to we'll, keep running yeah, the football. We'll, we'll, we'll die a slow death, and we'll hope that we can get you in the red zone and make you kick field goals as opposed to scoring touchdowns. I think that's the way that you have to play them because I just don't know if many teams can match up with them where you're trying to be aggressive and go after Pat Mahomes and you're willing to live on the island with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and Miko Hartman and Travis Kelsey. You have to make them – play slow down, post up basketball, and see if you can kind of beat them in a game that is in the low 20s. Yeah, and I think the good news for the Chargers is you get them early in the season. So, man, you've got a you've got a fresh as a daisy, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Jerry Tillery uh, played well inside for them along that defensive front. Um, I think Kenneth Murray's got a chance to uh, to be a key player in that game. He's going to be matched up with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, so two rookies are going to be a good matchup to watch their linebacker and running back. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch that whole division unfold. Uh, Buck, let's get to our conversation here with Trey Lance. This is the quarterback from North Dakota State, fascinating, fascinating player in college football, somebody we both uh, have a great deal of appreciation for as a talent. But I uh, got a chance to visit with him, and uh, here's that conversation. All right, Buck, excited to be joined by Trey Lance, one of the top quarterbacks in college football this year. Trey, thanks for taking some time for us today. How you doing, man? Absolutely. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is this has been a different year for all of us, but I, I would love to just uh, go inside what your routine has looked like since the pandemic hit and uh, and trying to get yourself ready for what is a unique one game college football season for you. Yeah, it's been crazy. It seems like a while ago, you know, back in had having two practices of spring ball and then getting sent home, you know, thinking it's just going to be a, an extra week of spring break, maybe. Um, and then school being shut down and, and going back. Shoot, it feels like forever ago. Um but got a lot of opportunities uh, that I probably wouldn't have had. Got to, to talk and work with uh, a lot of different people that I don't know if I would have, you know, during spring ball, during a regular year. Um, so try to make the best out of it. Obviously, uh, like you said, this unique uh, situation. I'm just thankful to have one game to play uh, with these seniors and, and some of the guys that this will be their last last time in pads. Um, so just super thankful for that opportunity. Obviously, it's it's weird situation. It's crazy, um, unprecedented, all those things. But uh, just excited for the opportunity. You know, Trey, and in thinking about that, because so much uh, going into this year was riding on your performance. People were excited about you. People were talking about you and your team and the way that you guys have dominated that level. But from a personal standpoint, how do you work on your game when you're not really able to get around coaches and stuff? Like, has everything been virtual for you or have you been able to kind of bounce around and have people do it? Like, what have you been able to do to continue to sharpen your skills? Uh, you know, during the, the middle, kind of the beginning of the pandemic, obviously we were all kind of sent home off campus and everything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, me being from Minnesota, uh, North Dakota was a lot more open uh, so we can get into gyms and get on fields uh, a lot more readily than, than in Minnesota. Uh, so we had a solid group of guys offensively that, that came back during that, that summer period when we were, before we were shut down. 
um, or while we were shut down, excuse me. Uh, but June 1st, all, all the guys on campus were back. Uh, so thankfully we were, we were able to, to get testing and things like that um, through our university and our athletic department. Uh, so super thankful for everyone involved in that. But uh, these last few weeks, I mean, it's been pretty normal for us. Obviously, you know, normal, as normal as, as normal can be, I guess, during these times. Uh, but everyone's wearing masks, everyone's, you know, social distancing, things like that. Uh, but we've been back at practice. Uh, coaches have been around, had meetings, you know. Obviously, I have had a few guys out, um, you know, with, with symptoms or with, you know, positive test results. Uh, but our, our health department and, and athletic department as a whole has done a really good job handling everything. Trey, I want to go back to high school with you um, as somebody that was a multiple sports star. But uh, you played a couple different positions on the football field. Going through your recruiting process, uh, take us through that journey, what that was like and, and what some schools were recruiting uh, you as other than quarterback. Yeah, so I'd say probably um, going into my sophomore year, I went to a lot of camps. Uh, I went to Nebraska. I went to Minnesota a couple times, um, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Um, more local, I guess. Uh, for the most part, schools recruited me at, at quarterback, but there were a few schools. Um, you know, if you would ask me going into my sophomore year, I would have told you I was going to play quarterback at the University of Minnesota. Um, no doubt in my mind. Uh, just because I had some guys from my high school that, that played at Minnesota or were committed or signed, things like that. Um, but then with the coaching change and everything, Coach Fleck being hired, uh, he saw a different fit and he had his quarterback already um, committed to him uh, at that point going into my junior year, it would have been. Um, so he, he was very honest and upfront with me that they wanted to recruit me at, at, um, at play, to play receiver safety. Um, and I, at that point, I kind of knew I was a quarterback and wanted to be a quarterback. Um, so just said thank you, thank, thank you to him. I'm super thankful for that opportunity. Um, a few other schools in the Big Ten wanted me to play, you know, outside linebacker and things like that. Um, but I kind of knew I was a quarterback at that point. Um, committed to, to North Dakota State uh, pretty early in my recruiting process in my junior, during my junior year. Uh, I kind of never looked back. I that, got to that point where I was kind of like, what am I waiting for? You know, my ultimate goal is to play at the next level. And, and obviously, North Dakota State has been, been sending guys to the next level for a long time, especially at the quarterback position. You know, talk about that because it is a very unique situation. North Dakota State has had, I mean, they've had a number of quarterbacks go. We think about Carson Wentz and Easton Stick. Uh, you will appear to be the next one in line. What is it about the culture or the setup that you guys have there that prepares quarterbacks to go on and advance beyond college? Uh, the expectations are, are kind of at a new level. I, I don't know if I would have been expecting it. Uh, and also just the type of people that, that we recruit here, or that, I guess our coaching staff recruits here. Um, we don't have really guys that, are, that you, know, you have to worry about. You know, we don't have guys that, that you have to worry about making decisions, bad, poor decisions off the field. We just don't, don't have those guys here. Um, and just talking to a lot of guys uh, at other schools, you know, across the country, it's, it's a lot different here than, than other places. Um, you know, you get humbled your freshman year, regardless of what position you play, you know, playing quarterback, I'm probably more thankful that I don't have to deal with as much of the, the, the rookie, you know, what punishments and things like that. Um, but uh, just like I said, it's just different. Uh, and meeting Easton during my recruiting process was a huge part of why I'm here now um, and, and why I decided to come here so early. Uh, just the type of person he was, he was willing to help me. Um, you know, my redshirt, my redshirt year, uh, my first year on campus, you know, Easton was a senior. I uh, kind of knew he'd have the opportunity to play at the next level. Um, and he, he didn't have to worry about anything uh, at that point. He did, definitely didn't have to help me as much as he did. You know, I was able to, to steal his notes and, and follow him around and kind of be his shadow for that first year. Um, and just, just how willing he was to, to answer my questions and and um, just just spend time with me. Uh, I think that, that says a lot about him and a lot about the, the culture here. Well, we're, we're getting towards the end of baseball season right now. And in baseball, you have those hitting streaks and people are very uh, conscious when they have kind of a long hitting streak going. In football, you had a unique streak where you made it through the entire season without throwing an interception. At, at what point in time, is this like week three, week four, 
where you're like, hold up now, like I, I have no no picks. Like, were you were you thinking about that on a weekly basis? Because I've never seen it with a big time quarterback to make it through the full season without an interception. Uh, what was a what was the key to to you uh, protecting the football? And, and were you kind of thinking about that at all as you're going through it? I honestly didn't think about it. Uh, it was one of those things where, where guys brought it up. Uh, I guess guys didn't really bring it up. You know, it was one of those things where everyone kind of just knew an unwritten rule. We just don't talk about it. Uh, so really the only time I got asked about it was in the media. You know, on our media, our weekly media days was kind of the only time. And I was, you know, at that point, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm gonna, you know, Obviously, it's a good thing. I'm going to keep not trying to throw interceptions. But it's, uh, it wasn't <laughs> where I, I went into every game thinking, you know, gosh, let's, I'm going to do everything I can to, to not throw an interception. Uh, but we do talk about it a lot. You know, the ball is the program and things like that. Uh, you don't want to end every drive with a kick, whether it's a point, extra point, or a field goal. Um, so those things help, as well as our, our offensive staff does a great job. Um, and Zeb, Nolan, and Noah Sanders, my backup quarterbacks, um, helped me out a ton uh, on a weekly basis. But just the preparation, I think, like I said, that Easton taught me um, is a huge part of it. And the coaches, you know, offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Roll, you know, making sure I feel comfortable with everything and, and me being able to sit in the offensive staff meetings and things like that. Uh, just being on the same page with everyone, uh, whether it's our receivers and our coaches, I think is a huge part of it. You know, Trey, when you look at the National Football League, it, it seems like there's a bit of a revolution at the quarterback position. You're seeing guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, guys that are super athletic making all of these plays. So when you pattern your game, is there a player that you look to pattern? I didn't even mention Russell Wilson. Is there a player that you kind of model your game after when you think about it? Uh, I don't know if there's one guy. I've obviously been asked this a lot. Uh, I like to take different pieces. Um, had different opportunities to work with different guys like Dwayne Haskins, you know, Deshaun. Uh, being able to take little things from their game. Uh, just one thing I noticed specifically about when I threw with Deshaun, uh, just how relaxed he is. So that's kind of just one thing I worked as much as I could, um, you know, th this off season and this this whole COVID time. Uh, being able to throw with him and Dwayne and just how smooth and relaxed they both are. Um, obviously, being able to throw with Carson and meet him. Um, the preparation, things like that. Uh, being able to watch watch football and watch quarterback play, I think it's, it's something that every quarterback will tell you that, that you know, I'm not going to model my game after one guy, but try to take as many pieces as I can from as many guys as I can. Trey, it's a leadership position that you play, um, and I would love to just get a little insight into what your leadership style looks like. Is there, is there a moment or a story uh, you can share with us that, that kind of gives us a glimpse into what your leadership style looks like? Um, I'll tell you, South Dakota State, fourth and one. Um, we are shoot fourth and one from probably our own 28, um, yard line, fourth quarter. Uh, you know, we got stopped on third down. It was fourth and one. And I'll tell you, there's no way I was coming off that field, uh, as well as our offensive line. Uh, we were going to get that, you know, regardless of the situation in the game. Um, you know, we, we kind of preach a fourth and one mentality on every play. Um, you know, being efficient, and everything is really important, but we just up front, especially, you know, offensive line, just the love they have for me and the love I have for them uh, is different here. Uh, but I, I think, I guess, that, that kind of situation uh, kind of sums it up. You know, there was no way we were coming off the field. Just the confidence I had in my teammates and, and the work they put in to get to that point, uh, there was no way I was, I was not going to get them that opportunity. So what happened? You got to finish the story here. What happened then? Uh, Adam Cofield uh, handed it off. Adam Cofield took it about 75 yards to the house, uh, ended up. <laughs> The game, kind of the game-winning touchdown. It was big time. <laughs> uh, the lead, man. <laughs> um, That's great. So, so Trey, this is a, a unique set of circumstances. Obviously, you've gotten a lot of attention this offseason. People are talking about you. They're talking about you, not only what you guys do at that level, but what you potentially could do at the next level. You have a game coming up October 3rd against Central Arkansas. Do you feel any added pressure because this is kind of the only game 
on your your regular season schedule? Like, is how are you? How do you even treat this game going into it? Uh, just just another game. Just trying to go one and zero. Just treating like the first game of the season for us. Um, you know, obviously it'll be different not not having week two and week three. You know, and so on. Um, but uh, it's it's been a good opportunity for us and to learn. And, and obviously Central Arkansas having played you know two games already, we'll play again you know this Saturday. Uh, it's good for us. I think it's a great thing for us to be able to watch watch their current film. You know, they're kind of still going to be banking on last year's film. Uh, and we've, you know, kind of grown and evolved a lot. But mentally, I don't think it's, it's a whole lot different for me. Um, obviously, you know, the media and you guys are going to talk about everything, you know, that you need to talk about. Um, but for, for us, it's just a football game. I'm super excited for the opportunity. Uh, another game with our coaches, with, with these seniors, like I said, just sending them out the right way. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been right, you know, for some of the guys that won't be coming back in the spring. Um, for them to, to win a national championship, thinking they have a whole other year left and, and never get to put the pads on again. Uh, so just super thankful for them. Uh, that opportunity will, will be something they remember forever. Last question from me. I know you got you got to run here and get ready uh, for, for your work there. But a lot of quarterbacks come from Texas and come from California. And a lot of times they'll get picked. You know, Josh Allen, uh, somebody who grew up in California, but then gets drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Sam Darnold goes to the Jets. He's from Southern California. They always question, man, what are they, these guys are doing? They played in cold weather games. I would imagine spending your time in Minnesota and North Dakota, you have your fair share of cold weather stories. Give me your best cold weather game story that you got. Ooh, I mean, there's plenty, you know. <laughs> so, uh, thankfully, I didn't. I didn't have any too bad games. Uh, there were some. There were some practices where I was questioning a lot of things. Um, <laughs> this year but uh my senior year my last game my senior year actually uh it was a snowstorm it was a blizzard uh back in high school so i'd say that was probably the worst the coldest experience i've had in the game uh but being up here you know we have a kind of a, a rule that your freshman year your your freshman year you you can't wear sleeves to practice at all so you're in short sleeves regardless of, of what the temperature is uh so that was probably one of the one of the toughest things you know you're going out to practice and you already don't want to go out there because it's cold um, and then I see Easton Stick and, and all the other quarterbacks in, in hoodies uh, and sweatpants, <laughs> and you know, freezing my butt off. So uh, definitely had some of those experiences, but, it, you know, I'm better for it now. That is phenomenal. Hey, man, well, you've been very generous with your time. We're going to be catching up with you as we go through the spring here. Uh, best of luck in your one game here. I, I'm excited to watch it and uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Oh, Buck, I loved I love visiting with Trey. How about the uh, the cold weather story? Man, I, I remember in a game in college uh, coming out. It was a cold weather game. I don't remember who who where exactly it was. It might have been in Cincinnati. But I remember thinking like I'm a San Diego kid. I'm gonna I want to experience this cold. I'm a, I'm tough. I came out in warm ups. I came out in warm ups with no sleeves, Buck. We came back into the locker before I couldn't get those sleeves on fast. I was like, forget that, man. I'm not doing that. It's, it's, DJ, it's funny because they have a similar story. Like, obviously, I grew up in North Carolina. Um, I'm playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're playing the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Like, this is for all the marbles. And I remember we were like, hey, this is a no-sleeves day. It's a no-sleeves game. And so I remember coming out for warm-ups and not having the sleeves on. And what I did, I had a, a mock neck, but I didn't have yeah. the sleeves out. And so the first half, DJ, I'm returning kicks and all this, and – I have never been more distracted because the only thing <laughs> the only thing I could think about when I'm going out to either return a kick or to play dime corner is, man, we need to get off the field so I can get back under. This. I need to get on the hot seat. I need to get on the hot seat. And at halftime, I couldn't put on I couldn't put on more clothes. But, yeah, it's a huge distraction. I, I know, like, you kind of toughen up and you get used to it. But, man, it is it is different. Not for some, me. 
And some guys, some guys never, some guys never adjust to being able to play in the cold weather because it look it's a different game. The hits feel uh, a little harder. The ball is harder. I mean, it's it's a challenge and it is a huge advantage to those who play in the cold and those who thrive in the cold. Yeah, man, you want to have those guys on your team. I can't imagine every day at practice with no sleeves as a freshman because as a freshman, a lot of times you're on those look teams and there are times where you're just standing around doing nothing. When you're moving, it's tolerable. When you're just standing there watching, oh, man, I can't imagine. No wonder those guys are so dang tough. Yeah, it's unbearable. I will say when you live in that environment, you play in that environment, because I do believe playing in Green Bay, I felt like I was uh, acclimated to it a little bit. But it's still cold. Like when when you have freezing temperatures, like cold is cold. And I don't care what anybody says, it hurts. And it's not a lot of fun. No, it stings the whole thing. I I remember being in North Carolina in the winter up in the mountains in Boone. It gets cold. You get a lot of snow oh, up yeah. there. And I remember my wife, we were dating at the time, it had come out, and uh, we, were, we were at a gas station, and we got out, um, and she, I had to go inside to get something or whatever. I think she actually had to pump the gas. So she was outside. I just I come back. She's going five four three two one five four three two one five four three two one. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, that's just I'm telling myself. Five, once I get to one, I can get back into the car. So she's like doing this mental like five four three two one five four three two one. Just get me back in the car. I'm freezing. Uh, so our kids do that now uh, all the time when it gets really cold. So you know, if we're up in the mountains or something. But yeah, no, it's um, it, it is a challenge. But I think with Trey Lance, man, I think the thing that's fascinating about him, DJ, is he is such a good kid, such a good leader. Um, mature kid, huh? Very, I mean, very just mature, very impressive. Very, like, very very impressive in a bunch of different areas. And I think when we get to the point where if he does come out and we begin to have these conversations about him, um, a lot of the stuff that is really important to executives and coaches when it comes to selecting a quarterback has little to do with the on-field performance. It has more to do with the, the maturity, the way the that they handle things and situations. And his makeup, and we can talk about North Dakota State and big-time ball, but we can say that the last two quarterbacks that have come out of there are playing in the National Football League, and they've been well-prepared. I think he is well-prepared to play in the National Football League, and I think we will see that as he continues to go forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to keeping up with his story as we go through. We'll, we'll actually uh, spend some time breaking down that game uh, after it's done, October 3rd against Central Arkansas. So we'll get a chance to see him in his one-game season. Pretty unique. Uh, well, it's uh, it's a different year, Buck, but, man, it feels great to be back in the saddle. We've got some college football we can talk about. We've got NFL football. Uh, we got another episode coming up on Thursday, but isn't it nice just to, instead of talking about this team may be good or this guy may have a good year to actually have real football to break down? Yeah, it is, it is great. And I think the, the great thing about the way that it's set up this year is without a preseason, the overreactions are, are crazy. But oh, off the charts. Here's, here's what I wanted to caution everybody. Teams are going to make the biggest improvement from last week to this week. We will see different teams emerge, and we're going to be surprised because teams that we thought were Super Bowl contenders are going to fall flat, and teams that we were already casting aside, they're going to play much better. Uh, I think you got to, we talked about it. The first four games of the season, you got to kind of throw away because that is really the preseason. Yep, just find a way to scratch out one or two wins and stay alive. That's all you got to do during these first four games, and then, uh, and then off we go. All right, that was a fun one today. I want to thank you guys uh, for leaving us those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate it. Thanks for checking out all of our video content, uh, nfl.com slash mtsvideo, as well as youtube.com slash nflpodcasts. You can check that out as well. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, NFL launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities by exercising the right to vote. Uh, Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit nfl.com slash votes to learn more. That's going to do it. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks presented by Zaxby's. We'll see you then.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.